Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Hey, Sheena, how was your Memorial Day weekend? Better yet, what was the highlight of your Memorial Day weekend? That's a great question. It was a really wonderful weekend. Um, I think the two of us were just talking about this, how we had not taken a day off since mm-hmm. the beginning of the year. So I really valued that. And then I was also super grateful to Gong because they gave us an extra wellness day. So yes. I feel really nice, really relaxed. And I also got to soak up a lot of sun because I went back to my parents' place and they live in the Central Valley of California, which is really, really, really hot. But that means we got some mm-hmm. pool time in. That's rad. Did all, did all the kids have a good time in the pool? Oh yeah, the kiddos, that, they just lived out in the backyard. I remember those days as a kid. Those are the best. Yes. Uh, It was a good weekend. We did, uh, speaking of wellness, we got, yeah, we got Friday off. We got Monday off, obviously, as a holiday. So four days off felt like a long, felt like a vacation. Something we, like you said, we haven't had in a while. Uh, It was my wife and my first uh, year anniversary, our wedding anniversary. Congrats. That is huge. That is amazing. Thank you. I told you the pilot period is over. It's official. We'll stick with it. Uh, <laughs> kidding, of course. For anyone who doesn't know, that is Adrian, uh, in case my wife is listening. Um, but no, it was a good weekend. We hung out in San Francisco, got outside as much as we could. It wasn't obviously as warm as you know, Central Valley, but uh, it was a good time. Perfect. And then speaking of wellness days, we sat down with uh, Shimona Mehta from Shopify, and we had a really good conversation about mental health, about wellness of her team. And it was a really good candid conversation, especially about I think it was like midway through a third through, where she shares some ideas of what she's been doing with her team, really sitting down and really, you know, kind of digging into how her team is handling the transition from working remotely, but also how the pandemic has, you know, simply just affected them personally and, you know, their production. She's um, a great person. We actually got to meet her a few months back when we were doing Celebrate on tour. Um, And we met her in Toronto and she was one of our panelists Mm -hmm. there. She had uh, recently moved to London at that point. Um, So she's still uh, actually new in London and is, uh, I don't want to say stuck there, but moved in with not too much (laughs) stuff. So she'll talk a little bit about that in, in our conversation as well you know, really approachable and just had a really good mentality in terms of how she approaches this stuff. So let's just go ahead and dive into our conversation with Shimona. Hey, Shimona, great to have you here today on Reveal. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Sheena. Thanks for having me. How are things going in London these days? Uh, It's pretty quiet over here, to be honest with you. Um, We're allowed one form of exercise outdoor every day. So, you know, a walk, a run or a bike ride. Uh, And as long as you keep moving, you're good. They don't want to see anyone sitting around and congregating and socializing. Um, But I think it's really important at this time that everyone kind of abides by that. Um, Well, glad you're staying safe and healthy and taking care of yourself. 
So we're really excited to get into our interview today. Um, to kick it off, could you tell us um, if you could master one skill, what would that be? Uh, Sheena, right now, to be honest with you, being at home for over a month and seeing no end in the foreseeable future, I wish I could master cooking. I'm definitely not uh, a cook. I'm someone who loves to eat out in restaurants. Um, and I have a really great skill in baking, uh, desserts particularly, but you can't live off cake alone. Uh, so yeah, if there was anything right now that if I could wave a magic wand, it would be cooking. I love it. Uh, have you been taking any online cooking classes or demonstrations, doing anything like that? I actually have. And in fact, uh, you know, in this time that we're all trying to find new ways to stay entertained and socialize, uh, I have a group of girlfriends and we do a weekly Zoom chat together and we've been trying new activities to do. Uh, and actually next week coming up, we've got a friend giving us an online cooking class. And I believe we're learning how to make sushi and bread pudding. Oh, I wow. love that mm -hmm. combo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Couple of our most favorite things. Yeah, same absolutely. carbs on carbs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm curious, Shimona. What is you said you're uh, good at baking? What's your go-to baked good for dessert? Cheesecake. I make oh. a killer apple caramel pecan cheesecake. Wow, it is that ten in the morning at time of this recording, but I would take a slice of that cheesecake right now. <laughs> And so, and you kind of mentioned a little bit, you know, now that we're working from home, folks are getting a little more used to uh, the home office or, you know, the home office from the couch. Curious what your work from home setup looks like and uh, maybe there's been any surprises along the way. Well, quick background is I'm actually born and raised in Toronto and I just moved here to London about five months ago. Uh, I moved into my new home about six weeks ago and have absolutely no furniture here. So I've got four chairs uh, pulled up against a kitchen counter. That's where I work every day. I've got an air mattress that I'm using as a sofa and I've got a TV sitting on the floor and I'm using my windowsill as a bookshelf and that is my setup. So I'm basically a college student all over again. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It sounds like you have the college <laughs> dorm set up or you're just super minimalist and you're just like <laughs> taking it right back to basics. Nothing you don't need. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Let's say it's on purpose. Let's say I'm a minimalist. <laughs> <laughs> so today, Shibota, you're the head of Europe, Middle East and Africa for Shopify Plus and, you know, would love to dig into that in a little bit. But before you got where you are today, you've done some pretty interesting things in the past. Uh, you had um, focused doing sales enablement at MarketLogic Software and even at Shopify Plus. Tell us a little, little, little bit about your career trajectory and how you got where you are today. Um, yeah, this is, uh, it's interesting. As I've reflected over that question, uh, I think my best answer is that my career's really been a journey in progressive self-awareness. Um, I think that all along the way in my career, I've really I've kept learning pieces of what, where my passions and where my superpowers really lie, uh, where I can add value and what I truly get value from doing. Um, I actually started my career in marketing in CPG, uh, and I realized really quickly back then that I didn't feel like I was learning fast enough. Uh, there's a very predictable career path when you're in uh, you know a larger CPG organization and I was really hungry to learn so you know after you know CPG and marketing I moved quickly client facing because I wanted to I wanted to be in the room with people that made decisions and created strategy uh, and that's how I ended up actually at the NPD group um, where 
I got that chance. I was leading the food service team for Canada at that time. And it gave me an opportunity to be in the room, you know, with VPs of marketing and insights and sales and actually understand how they were building strategy and how they were driving growth. It's also where I fell in love with sales. And I actually also ended up, you know, through almost default becoming a lead. Uh, and this is, you know, before really thinking through whether leadership was the right career path for me, it was one of those default moves that we see happen so often, which is when you're a high performer, you know, they make you the lead. Um, and I hadn't quite thought it through as yet. So when I ended up at Market Logic, I, you know, went back to being an IC because I had fallen in love with sales. I really wanted to be a part of building something special. Um, and I really wanted fast growth because I realized that, um, you know, the food and CPG industry is really stable and slow moving. And that world is more about maintaining versus building and innovating. So I ended up in SaaS sales at Market Logic. Quickly, though, realized how much I really like building things and found my way into enablement. I love adding impact and building things and building people. It gave me an opportunity to innovate, be a part of special vision, be around really cool leadership. And that's really what ended up leading me to Shopify, where, you know, I've I feel like I've really solidified, you know, my purpose in my career. You know, I found a mission that I really wanted to get behind. I found values that I really aligned with, and that was the most important for me at this point in my career. I'm working with a leader that I really respect and I learn from every single day. Um, and I get to do the things that I've realized are my strengths, which is building people and building things. That's terrific. And now for the folks who don't know about Shopify, could you tell us a little bit about Shopify and then Shopify Plus specifically? Shopify's mission is to make commerce better for everyone and to remove the roadblocks for entrepreneurship. And we build the software that provides organizations everything that they need to run uh, both an online and offline business. Uh, Shopify was born about 15 years ago by Toby Luca, uh, who actually was the original entrepreneur. He was just trying to build a, a snowboard shop actually and realized there was no great software out there that he could build his business on. And because he had a coding background, decided to just build it himself. Uh, and that actually was how Shopify was born. Come up about five years ago and what we realized is we had entrepreneurs on our platform who were building their businesses to a scale and complexity, you know, that required a new offering. And that's really where Shopify plus was born. Um, we exist to, um, power high growth, high volume and high complexity merchants to continue to scale, um, their businesses in an omni-channel way. How would you describe your current role as head of EMEA at Shopify? And, and maybe if it, you know, encompasses some of the pieces of, responsibility as head of enablement and head of revenue acceleration? So as the head of EMEA, um, I currently lead all of the commercial and operations teams and own the strategy for how we will build our revenue machine, enter new markets, and continue to build our brand. Um, I'd say my core functions really as a people leader are to you know hire really great people, build the right team and culture, um, and ensure I've created the conditions for success here for us to continue to grow and empower at Shopify, um, you know, as we power merchants here and build the right offering and solutions for, for the merchants in this market, it absolutely encompasses uh, and kind of builds upon what I've been doing for the previous several years here at Shopify. It's just really at a different scale. Up until this point, 
you know, whether it was sales enablement or in revenue acceleration, I was thinking, you know, more on the sales side and looking at that part of the funnel or the merchant journey. At this point, I'm really looking kind of beyond that to the full funnel, that full merchant journey with us. It's building our, our revenue machine. It's designing our go-to-market and our support that's right for merchants in EMEA versus, you know, just duplicating the things that have already been built and done and scaled in North America. It's building teams and ensuring that we've got the right career paths and progression in place. It's ensuring that people feel engaged in our mission in Europe and that they have a place to continue to grow their careers. That's cool. It sounds like a really unique uh, combination of, you know, people, leadership, sales, and strategy. Absolutely. That's a great way to sum it up. I'm curious, when you shifted from focusing more on uh, North American activities when you were based in Toronto to your role in, in Europe, Middle East, and Africa, what are some nuances that you discovered from your customers, and how have you had to uh, shift your perspectives in this newer function? One of the first things that you have to think learn here in Europe is that there's no one particular um, selling motion. There's no one particular maybe persona or personality type of customer that you have here, right? When, when you work solely in North America uh, and you're thinking about a persona or a customer type, um, it's pretty consistent because you're probably working predominantly with people who are in the U.S. Um, but when you get to Europe, you have a lot of varied cultural nuances uh, and business practices to take into consideration um, across Europe, right? So selling and working with customers in the UK is actually very different than how you might go to market and work with customers in Germany. Um, a really quick anecdotal example is uh, in Germany, um, it's still, you know, really acceptable to, you know, pick up the phone and cold call. And in fact, that's preferable over email outreach, you know, whereas in North America, we've all probably implemented some kind of email engagement tool or outreach engagement tool that we're using like a sales loft. And, you know, we're blasting out emails all day long. It doesn't resonate in Germany. And you have to learn and understand that for these particular markets. So I think the, the biggest nuance is realizing you're not just learning a region, you're actually learning, you know, 25 different countries and the specific cultural nuances and sales motions you need for each of them. It's so much fun, actually, because it breaks you out of any habits or process you might be already used to building if you've been working in North America a long time. You may have a kind of a set sales playbook that you've put into place. This really uh, forces you to break out of that and really think creatively and innovatively and going back to being a learner again. Love it. Can you talk us through a little bit about the structure of your team today and if you've had to make any adjustments uh, since the outbreak and the changes in the broader market uh, economy this year? We've, uh, we've shifted to a regionalized structure here uh, at Shopify Plus. And the reason that we've done that, so the, the teams that we have here reporting into the region, we've done that in order to create freedom for our teams to really kind of run, experiment, fail, and adjust, and figure out the right path and solutions for our region specifically versus, you know, a kind of a centrally reporting model, uh, which is one of the reasons why I moved over here to do this. Structurally, um, by ways of org design, I've reporting into me um, marketing, sales, uh, solutions engineering launch, and our customer success teams, as well as operations and enablement. By ways of operating remote. Everyone is home-based right now. We've been that way for, oh, 
over five weeks at this point, actually. Um, and it, it's been a real learning process, to be honest with you, for our teams. Um, I'd say about half of our teams were over here were already remote. Uh, the other half, you know, in some kind of in some form of co-location in offices between the UK and Ireland. But no matter what situation people were in before this all started, everyone is in a state of adjustment and figuring out this new reality, right? Everyone has different situations at home, whether it's, you know, children at home that they're trying to homeschool at the same time or potentially they're, you know, single and alone and trying to deal with, you know, not being able to socialize with people. So I'm spending a really a much greater proportion of my time now on and with my people. I've, I'm reassessing my calendar every single week at this point, and really thinking about what the most important things are and where my time is going. Um, you know, and for the first several weeks of all of this, most that what that really meant was coffees with my people, checking in with them, thinking about what they needed, trying to spend time alleviating, you know, any anxieties that they may have. Um, as well as spending a lot of time with customers and hearing from them what they're going through, you know, directly from, you know, the CEOs and founders, listening to what they might need from us and how we could help them. Times move forward now. And as I continue to assess, I, I keep thinking about where it's going and as how we need to pivot now and how we adjust our strategy to move forward is somewhere that I'm starting to spend time, but I'm still spending probably a, a good half to two thirds of my time directly with my people, whether it's my leads or frontline team. It sounds like you're really taking, uh, you know, the extra time to understand the unique problems that we're all dealing with. I'm curious if you have any advice for sales leaders in terms of kind of keeping maybe the morale or the company culture uh, while, again, remote and living in shelter in place. Yeah, I, th I think the few most important things uh, at this point in time above all else is being vulnerable, being authentic, genuinely showing empathy for your people and spending the time with them. You know, people, there's nothing that any of us can, you know, structurally do in most cases to, you know, to solve for this, you know, whether it's illness affecting people and their families and our teams, um, whether it's, you know, how business is fluctuating right now, you know, what's happening to the customers that they talk to every single day and, and how that might impact them. Or of course the schedules that they're dealing with when trying to homeschool, you know, we may not be able to affect that um, in any material way at this point in time. But the thing that we can do is share and take time and listen and be empathetic, you know? So anything that you can do to maintain your culture is really about showing your people that you're behind them and that you care for them and you're, you're, you're there to help them through this in any way that you can. I hear every single day, you know, a different either like problem or situation or something that somebody's going through that, you know, I, I may not have considered, you know, this goes beyond the obvious couple of things that, you know, we all might've thought as we went through this, uh, as we started to go through this, you know, which was around, you know, schedules and children and potentially illness. I think the thing that's become most apparent to me through this is actually the focus we need to put on mental health. And those are the things I'm, I'm hearing. The other, um, and it, particularly when it comes to salespeople, is I'm hearing that as people go through this and they're finding potentially challenges in either feeling productive or focusing or just having that exhaustion sitting at home and sitting in front of, uh, you know, a Zoom screen all day long, is potentially a guilt for not being as productive as they usually would be. 
And so I've actually spent a lot of time talking people through, um, it's okay to be where you're at, right? It's okay for you to just be doing the best you can and realizing you're not necessarily going to be as productive as you were when we were all living in a normal world where we came into an office every day and you weren't worrying about, you know, friends or family losing jobs or people being ill or just being stuck in shelter in place all day long. That's actually something that surprised me a little bit is talking people through some of the guilt they were feeling and, and trying to assure them that that it's okay. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. I, uh, I'll admit I felt that as well too. The last couple of weeks was like, am I putting in the right amount of work because it doesn't feel like the same amount of, uh, you know, BC, if you will, before Corona, which was kind of like, you know, you're in that routine, you're giving it 120% typically day over day. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like a realization I think everyone individually needs to come to terms with, right, is it's okay to not be at, you know, quite at that level. And it's key to, you know, be aware, be mindful of that and, you know, still put your best foot forward, but also say like, hey, you, it's okay if you have to take your foot off the gas a little bit. I, I read a really interesting tweet in the last couple of weeks, and um, I can't remember who it was, so I, I can't give them credit right now, but uh, it really resonated with me. Uh, and what it said was, we are not working from home. We are all at home trying to figure out how to work. And I think sometimes for, especially for sales leaders, you can sometimes be more empathetic towards other people and look at it from the outside and understand what they may be going through. It's sometimes harder to do that for yourself and take a step back. And if you could zoom in on your own life and your own situation and have that same sense of understanding for yourself, that would be amazing. And I think we have a really difficult time doing that. And this is the time where we actually need to take that step back and feel for ourselves. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's okay to feel what we're feeling right now, whatever it is that we're feeling. Yeah. I love how passionate Shimona is about the mental well-being of her team. Mental health is still an emerging discussion in the workplace, especially for sales departments. It's complex and nuanced, so I thought sharing some data around it will help bring awareness and normalize the conversation. The Mental Health at Work 2019 report by Mindshare Partners had a ton of great insights, and here are a few that I found powerful. Experiencing symptoms of negative mental health at work is the norm. It's not the exception. 60% of survey respondents reported experiencing it in the last year. It's also equally prevalent across seniority levels from individual contributors to the C-level. Finally, it's worth noting that 86% of job seekers think it's important for a company's culture to support mental health. There is no fix per se, but my hope is that by sharing these insights, you'll feel more comfortable having candid and vulnerable conversations with your team about how they're handling the stress of the current pandemic, the transition to remote work, plus the general pressure of trying to maintain a high level of performance. We're all adjusting in our own way, and a compassionate approach is the best way to lead during challenging times. So Shimona, let's talk a little bit um, more about your role um, at Shopify Plus. Would love to hear a little bit more about your perspectives on what are you trying to accomplish uh, with your team? Of course, you know, you're in a mode even before all of the current situation of developing a sustainable business. Um, and making sure that you have uh, satisfied customers and meeting their needs. Tell us a little bit more about your perspectives on that and, and what you're trying to achieve uh, for your business. 
I feel really, really fortunate right now. I actually feel I'm in the, the most fun part of any business, uh, which is that mobilized stage or phase of building out teams. We are in a region where, you know, Shopify may not be the most uh, well-known employer, you know, like we are in North America. And what I find with that kind of a situation is the people that choose to come and work for you are a very special profile of people. You know, they're people who are truly uh, ingrained in your mission and that they identify with it. You know, there are people who really like building things. They really want to have impact. They want to be a part of building something special, right? For them at this point in time, it's not about, you know, a logo on their LinkedIn profile. This is really about what we're trying to do. And that profile of people is so great. And, you know, they... All they really need, in my opinion, is, is to be mobilized and set free, right? Give them a North Star, you know, give them some guidelines, you know, try and uh, rally them around a story and a mission and set them free to experiment and to fail and to find the right way for us to do things in Europe um, versus, you know, maybe a more uh, established business that is going through a phase of, you know, operationalizing and creating efficiencies and figuring out how to scale, um, I get to, you know, tell my team, feel free to go and, and fail and break all the rules. There's very likely not many things that I can't undo in a couple of days if you go mess it up. So, yeah, if there's kind of one theme I have for this year right now is it's mobilize, have fun, make a mess. Don't think you're supposed to build things the way you did, you know, somewhere else in any other job. Let's find the right way to build things for us. And do you have any tips for how you source um, new candidates that you would love to bring into the organization, especially going into a new market? Yeah. Um, hiring is a fairly large proportion uh, of my week. And I would suggest that for uh, any leader that, you know, hiring and interviewing should be uh, like 20% of your time, right? You're constantly looking for great candidates, you're constantly looking for the right fit, you're constantly talking to people about what you're doing so that you're not ever you know, falling behind and feeling like you're rushing to fill a role. Um, so a few things, one is um, to have a really great idea of what your team needs, not just today, but you know, for 12 and 18 months for now, particularly if you're in a high growth business um, because the way that your organization will scale, your talent really needs to keep up for that. And when you're at the beginning stages of building a team, uh, you know, like I said, you want people who will, uh, who love autonomy, who have really great creative ideas, you know, who aren't afraid to, um, you know, break every rule book. After that, you can find people who are great at, you know, process and operationalizing and, and all those great things. But to start with, you need, you know, people who have a real entrepreneurial mindset. So when I'm building out, this region, I think the things that are most important uh, actually come back to our values. We need to find people. It is so important, you know, in those first 10, 15, 20 hires that you set the tone for, you know, the culture of your organization and that you're building an organization that's truly rooted in your values. So, you know, bring a couple of people over from head office. Uh, I think that's part of what my role is, is I'm exporting the values and the culture of our organization so that we can build a culture that's right for EMEA. Uh, and then find people that truly um, embody the values uh, and the operating principles that you have. And don't be afraid to hold your standards high. You know, don't, um, don't cave just to fill a slot. Make sure it's better to have an empty seat 
than to fill a spot with, you know, a potentially wrong hire. And ensure that you use a great diverse interview panel, right? I know when it comes to particularly hiring salespeople, uh, we could get an idea in our head of the exact profile that we need and kind of ram through a whole bunch of interviews and just start throwing people into our machine. But the thing I find to be more important is actually have a diverse interview panel so that you've got people who are interviewing from different perspectives. You can you know, catch different nuances and that you can make sure that you're all aligned and that are thinking through together that you're not just duplicating you know, a single persona or profile as you hire, that you're actually looking at diverse backgrounds, diverse experiences, and, and diverse personality types and, and thoughts that you're bringing into your team so that you, you breed innovation and creativity through that. That's solid advice. I, I love the, uh, the hiring discipline, uh, you know, taking the time to find the right person instead of filling the slot, which can be challenging when you have uh, you know, headcount goals and, and growth targets to hit. Um, but, but it is key and, and anyone that's hired someone or, or had a, um, a bad hire, someone that just didn't work out kn- knows the pain of, man, I really wish I would have taken another month to find the right person, you know, instead of maybe investing, you know, a lot more time into the wrong person or, you know, I don't want to say time wasted, but you know what I mean? It could have been spent better. Uh, absolutely. Especially when you're trying to build a high growth team and you're hiring really great high performers, high performers want to be around high performers, yep. right? Um, and if you've got low performers on your team that, you know, you didn't account for, um, the low performers aren't going to be the ones that leave first. It's going to be the high performers. So it's, I think it's incredibly important to hire really well, hire with high standards and then hold really high performance management standards too. Well, Shimona, we've covered how to build the team quickly, but very, uh, you know, very impactfully. I'm curious now that you're, you know, you've got this team kind of built, what are your biggest initiatives uh, at Shopify plus for 2020? Yeah, it's, uh, this is a really interesting time to be asking that too, because, uh, in the face of COVID, I know so many, so many organizations are, you know, rethinking strategies and priorities or OKRs for the year. Um, and I've actually been doing some reflecting over the last couple of weeks around that, you know, do I need to completely change direction, um, for our organization, you know, through the rest of 2020. And, um, and the answer actually is, is, is no. Um, my objectives, or I guess my high level big rocks really stay the same for this year. It's just how I, uh, how we execute them as a team might be a little bit different. So kind of three big buckets, I guess I have for the year. And one is, you know, as we're growing and scaling a team over here, it's to really build our revenue machine, right? like understanding our funnel, understanding the sales motions, understanding, you know, the profiles and the talent that we need over here, understanding our segmentation and how we're going to go to market with that and follow through. Um, It's thinking about how we're entering new markets. Uh, As we talked about before, it's not just about, you know, uh, one market, one sales motion, one type of customer over here and one support model. It's actually, you know, over 20. And so really thinking about how we look country by country over here and localize well so that we're creating the best possible customer experience and we're reducing a customer's friction in order to make the right decisions for their business. Um, And then lastly, and probably most importantly, is building the team. So hiring the right people and the right leaders that are going to be able to build and scale this organization over the next three to five years, uh, and really ensuring that we've embedded the right values uh, and starting to build a culture for this team here um, so that we continue to grow and thrive. I'm curious how data has helped you 
you know, make these decisions as you're either looking at how to continue these initiatives or how to adjust them? Data is uh, important actually all the way through each of those initiatives that I talked about. Um, but it's not the, uh, it's not the only thing I base decision-making on. Uh, and I, and I know that, you know, for anyone else who's in, you know, fast growth organization, uh, if you wait for hundred percent of the data, it's probably too late to make a decision, right? So, uh, and especially when you're building something from scratch, you may not always have data in front of you, right? So you need to use it as kind of a guide. Um, and if you can get 70% of the way there with data and information, that should hopefully be enough to make a decision. And then you got to take a risk and be willing to learn. So, uh, but data absolutely comes into play, particularly as we learn through building our revenue machine right now. Uh, understanding right from demand gen right through to the rest of the, the customer's journey with us in customer success as they continue to grow and scale. Um, and so whether that's, you know, understanding demand generation and leads and where they're coming from and the quality and the profile and help having that help to shape our value proposition and our go-to-market messaging and outreach through to the sales process, you know, where we, we use tools like Gong to better understand our, our customers, to understand our sales process, to be able to understand where the, the skills of our salespeople are at, you know, so that we can build the right enablement programs and training programs to develop our people. We exist, our core principles actually at Shopify Plus as we build our team is to build really great salespeople who deliver the best possible customer experience. And we know from that the quality predictable revenue will follow. Um, and so, uh, you know, I use a tool like that and the data that we get from that to ensure that we're building really great salespeople who continue to develop the craft of sales. You know, and then right through, we understand through data, you know, what it takes to get our customers to value, why they're growing, what products they're using, how we can potentially drive adoption so that they get better value and that they meet their business goals. So, you know, right through that building of the revenue machine, there's data points all along the way, which we use to guide our experimentation uh, and the initiatives that we put in place. I love your approach of using data in the appropriate ways throughout the customer journey, but then also understanding when to use your own judgment to make a decision in, in the appropriate time frame as well, which is very, very important for companies that are at either um, you know, in high growth situations or operating through unknown situations like everybody is right now. So uh, very sound advice. A couple of our, our core values, right, that we look for and that we try and operate by, you know, one is to make great decisions quickly. And when we say great decisions, we mean if you have 70% of the data or the information you need um, to make the decision, right? Because the rest, of the, the rest of the data actually will come through the learning and the execution of that decision. Uh, and another core, one, core principle and value that we live by is to be a constant learner, right? So to never assume and to be willing to, to learn both through successes and failures. So mm -hmm. that really is part of what kind of drives and guides our ability to make those kinds of decisions. Perfect. So Shimoda, we like to end all of our conversations with our guests with the same question, which is how would you describe sales in one word? Shape-shifting. It's the sales actually to me is one of uh, the most fun, noble and valuable crafts and professions. And I know that in some cases it can get a bad rap, you know, in places where it's potentially executed poorly, but if you ever talk to, you know, really great salespeople who love their craft and you ask them about, you know, the, the 
best deal or their most favorite deal that they ever closed or the, you know, their favorite customer to work with, they're not talking to you about, you know, the commission they made off that sale. They're going to tell you a story about how they were able to help that customer change and improve their business, how they educated them, how they, you know, changed a pain or, or helped guide them through that and how they've really been able to impact them. And so to me, that's the true value of sales is that it's shape-shifting. I love that answer. So we almost never have a, a duplicate. And I can promise you, shape-shifting has never been said before. So I love that approach. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's well, awesome. Well, thank you, Shimona. It was uh, our pleasure to speak with you. We had a great time today, and I'm sure all of our listeners did as well. So please stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy, and we hope to see you back on the other side of the pond soon. Absolutely. Oh, thank thank, you, thank you both as well. Uh, it's great to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Every week we bring you a micro action, something to think about or an action you can put into play today. Zoom fatigue, leading with empathy, the pressure of performance, these are all very real aspects of successful leadership today. It's challenging to balance business objectives and provide compassion for your team and yourself day in and day out. To help, here are a couple ideas to help you slow down a bit and ensure you're connecting with your team when they need it most. Spend the first three to five minutes on small talk. Really dig into how the person or people you're meeting with are doing before diving into business. Number two, schedule a coffee meeting with someone who doesn't directly report to you. This helps you break outside of the professional bubble of people you're meeting with consistently week over week. Additionally, it's a nice pattern interrupt for both of you to have an honest conversation with a teammate that isn't centered around work. Last, take a walk. Instead of being on all day in front of a screen and webcam, let your next one-on-one -on -one or team meeting happen on the go. This is another tactic to help break the monotony of work from home and give your team some fresh air. Like Shimona shared, it's more important than ever to ensure your team feels their needs are heard and addressed. It's how you continue to support and grow your culture and performance. It's a win on all fronts. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io. 